You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. An unbelievable night of college basketball last night in the Sweet 16. Holy shit. If you don't like college basketball, there is something seriously wrong with you. Um, I have to keep it a little bit toned down tonight only because, well, <laughs> my, ro- my hotel room here in Manhattan Beach is a little bit smaller and the walls are a little bit thinner. Not saying I can hear what's going on. It's not like I'm hearing my neighbors have sex or anything, but the people above me, every time they take a step, I feel like I can hear it. Thanks a lot, Marriott Residence Inn. Anyway, uh, we will get to all this momentarily. So we will get started here with just an absolutely unbelievable four games last night. And I got to say, of everything that I've been saying all week, I was pretty spot on with all four of these games. If you really look at what I said, even the trends that I gave out, the picks that I gave out, um, you know, where I was even leaning. So the first game of the night, was um, was Michigan State and Kansas State. And that was one where I told you, I was like, look, I got no feel on this one. Flip a coin. Um, if I had to pick one gun to my head, I would go with Michigan State. But up until that game took place, or once that game ended, that was probably the best game of the tournament, and it wasn't even close. Uh, what an unbelievable game. Both teams up and down the floor. That's how college basketball should be played. I want to see games in the 70s and 80s. I don't get entertained by college basketball games that finish 61-56. I just don't. It's not entertaining basketball. Sorry. But those two put on an absolute offensive display. And all the credit in the world goes to Marquise Noel. I mean... How often do you see a guy in college basketball get 19 assists? Hell, how often do you see a guy in college basketball get double-digit assists? This guy almost doubled that. 19 assists for a college basketball player? And they think he had 12 assists in a previous game this tournament? The guy's got like 42 assists in three games. It's unheard of what he's been doing so far, and he's controlling the pace for Kansas State. They are one game away from the Final Four, but... I mean, you talk about an unbelievably great game. That was, it was the game of the tournament by far. The pace of it, how many lead changes were going on between both teams. It was just back and forth, back and forth. Michigan State scores with five seconds left in regulation to tie it up. Kansas State misses a shot at the buzzer in regulation. It goes to overtime and back and forth in overtime as well. Just I mean, you you couldn't you couldn't script it any better, and like I said, that was a that was a coin flip game all week. I said I have no feel on this game whatsoever. If you tell me Michigan State's going to win, I could be like, yeah, I can see that. You tell me Kansas State's going to win, I'd be like, yeah, you can see that. I mean, and and look at what we got. What a what a great game. Kansas State, the three seed in the Eastern Region, moves on. And they will be facing, oh, Tennessee fans, oh, what did I tell you? First off, I liked FAU plus the five and a half, and I said, 
This is the game that Rick Barnes, this is the type of game that Rick Barnes loses. Why? Because he's a favorite. We all know the numbers. He's now like 2-13-1 as a favorite in the tournament. If you take his Tennessee and Texas years. The guy just doesn't deliver when he's expected to win. You guys beat Duke last week. And what did I say the very next podcast after you guys beat Duke? I said, no one's going to care if you can't beat FAU. You beat Duke, a team that had won 10 games in a row. You come, you come upon a team, Florida Atlantic, who's never won a game in an NCAA tournament before this year. Yes, they were 33-3 and going into the game, but Tennessee fans admit it. You guys thought you were all set to go to the Elite Eight because you had just beaten Duke. And how can we beat Duke and then lose to Florida Atlantic University? I'll tell you how. Rick Barnes is your fucking coach. And your offense did you in. What did I say about this team's offense? Great. You looked great against Duke. You weren't expected to win, and those are the games you usually do win. Then you're favored over a nine seed, and Rick Barnes once again loses to a team that is higher seeded than him. And it was the highest seeded you can get without being a double-digit seed. But let's face it, Florida Atlantic is essentially a double-digit seed. They had never won a game in NCAA tournament in their school history before this week, before this tournament. And I know you guys thought you were going to win because you had beaten Duke. And you're like, shit, we beat Duke, but we're going to lose to Florida Atlantic? Sure, you did. You had 27 points at halftime, and with seven minutes left in the game, you had only scored 14 points in the second half. You end up with 55. It's what I said. I don't trust Tennessee's offense. Their defense is what drives them. They have a great defense, but their offense has trouble scoring the ball, and that is exactly what happened. You lose 62-55. You give up 40 points in the second half after only giving up 22 in the first half. What happened to your vaunted defense and you're being sent home yet again. Rick Barnes loses to a team seated way higher than his team. This was only five spots higher. You're a four seed. They're a nine seed. Might as well have been a double-digit seed. But, oh, saw this one coming a mile away. Talked about it for the last two days. Just, I'm not surprised, uh, you know. What did I tell you? I said, you guys should win, but this is the type of game that Rick Barnes loses. And he did again in the tournament. My gosh, Tennessee fans, you guys guys must be kicking yourself over this. You had a chance to go to the Elite Eight against Kansas State, who I wouldn't necessarily call a basketball power. You would have been one game away from reaching a Final Four, and all you had to do was beat Kansas State who's playing great and has probably the best player in the region in Marquise Noel, but you blew it, and you couldn't get by the owls of FAU. Look, all the credit in the world to FAU. They came back in the second half, took a nine-point lead at one time, and I can't sit here and even tell you I know anything about FAU basketball. Coming into the tournament, yes, I knew that they were 31-3. and They had rolled through their conference, 
They were a very good three-point shooting team. The only thing I knew about that team was FAU fans, I'm sorry, but you're not keeping your head coach very much longer. Dustin May is going to be moving on to a bigger and better job either next year or the year after. Unless a major one opens up this summer, I think he can still land that. But holy shit. I mean, sorry, Tennessee. Another tournament choke job by Rick Barnes. Something I've literally been harping on for two months now, ever since I started talking college basketball and laying out all your Rick Barnes stats. Guy just somehow, for whatever reason, he cannot close the deal when he's expected to win. Too many losses to teams that are seated way higher than his team. It's too many. Now, I don't think Rick Barnes is going to get fired because he consistently has you as a you know fringe top 25 team, top half of the SEC conference. Last year, you won the SEC conference tournament. And then you got to the tournament and you choked against a double-digit seed again. But it's like, what do you do in this case? You know, he wins. He wins enough games to not get fired. But come tournament time, I'm sorry. I'm betting against them every time because for whatever reason, his teams struggle to score the basketball. Always been defensive-minded. Always been a very solid defensive team, Tennessee. That's what they've known for. But when you have games like earlier this year when they beat or lost to Auburn 45-43, something ridiculous, and then you drop a a 55-point game in the tournament, I just always struggle with teams that have trouble scoring the basketball. And that's what we got out of Tennessee. And you're going home. And we now have... Kansas State versus FAU to go to the Final Four out of the Eastern Region. Who the hell had that in their brackets to start? Not many people. The other two games of the night, UConn absolutely torched Arkansas. It was never close. They were up by 17 at half and still outscored them by six more in the second half. 88-65. They win that game going away. And I got to tell you, UConn looks solid right now. They look like a team on a freaking mission. There isn't much to say about that game other than they dominated. Plain and simple. Absolutely dominated that game. And they are now one win away from going to the Final Four. And they will take on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who... At the end of the Kansas State-Michigan State game, I said that was the best game of the tournament and it's not even close. I think you got to take Gonzaga and UCLA and say that is now the best game of the tournament because of the history of these two teams. Again, oh, by the way, on the UConn game, that was one of the games that I gave away as one of my picks that I said, um, definitely looking at UConn minus the four and a half. It was never close. What did I tell you about Gonzaga-UCLA? Gonzaga-UCLA, I said, look, These two teams have played twice in the NCAA tournament. They put on two classics. This game is going to come down to the final two minutes, and then it's a flip a coin. I, you know, in February, I've told you I put in a a futures bet on Gonzaga to win the NCAA title at thirty-one to one. So my heart was with them, but I also have Gonzaga and UCLA in in two of my four brackets to win it all. And I knew obviously one of them was getting eliminated tonight. 
one of the other so now i have three brackets left and one of them has yukon winning one of them has gonzaga winning and one of them has alabama winning so i'm losing another one on saturday when gonzaga plays yukon but <clears throat> oh my gosh uh, again what a freaking game i love the fact that it was on the west coast i love that it was at t-mobile in vegas both fan bases were there supporting their teams it's what college basketball is all about Drew Timmy being a fourth year, stayed for four years in college, could come back for a fifth if he wanted to because of the COVID year. But he's already said, like, look, I've I've played my uh, – I'm done after this year. I'm not coming back. The guy was on a mission last night, 36 points and 13 rebounds. It's the most he's ever had in an NCAA tournament game. He's now become the first player in NCAA history to score 20 points minimum in 10 different games in the NCAA tournament. He was tied with six others with nine games of 20 points. Well, he surpassed that, um, I believe, in the first half. Uh, He either had 19 at halftime or over 20 at halftime, but we knew he was going to pass it. He scored 15 of the first 19 points for Gonzaga. And, you know, Gonzaga trailed by, I believe it was 13, yeah, 46-33 at half. And I'm like, look, all I know is that UCLA is a team that struggles to score as well. When they put up 46 points in the first half, I knew they were going to come back down to earth in the second half. And boy, did they ever. Did you see that statistic that they put up? UCLA from the 1234 mark of the second half until the 114 mark of the second half were 0 for 11 from the field. The only points they scored from the 12 and a half minute mark to the 114 mark were free throws. And they had a lead and it not only lost that lead, but they fell behind by double digits. UCLA trailed that game. So so UCLA was up 13 early in the second half. Then they were down by 10 with two and a half minutes to go, and they get two different three-point plays with Jaime Jaquez. Gonzaga is panicking. They can't get the ball in bounds. They're throwing the ball away. And UCLA trailed 72-62 with two and a half minutes left. They go on a 14-3 run, and they take the lead 76-75 with 10 seconds left. Gonzaga calls a timeout, and they run a play for Julian Strother that, I mean, how big of balls do you have to have to pull up from the fucking logo in a Sweet 16 game where you have just lost a 10-point lead in the last two and a half minutes and just bury a three right in somebody's eye hole? They go up by two. UCLA comes down. They don't even get a shot off. They get stripped. Strother gets the ball, makes one of two free throws. 1.4 seconds left. Look, this, the announcers called it. I was killing. I was almost yelling at the TV last night, telling them, what are you doing making this free throw? UCLA had no timeouts left. Gonzaga is up 78-76 with one free throw remaining. If you miss that free throw and... The ball, you know, doesn't bounce back to half court on a free throw, which it obviously never will. As long as you hit the rim, that ball is a live ball the second UCLA touches it. there, And there's 1.4 seconds left. They're literally going to have to throw in a 75-footer to win the game. If you make the free throw, they can take the ball out, set up a play, 
and possibly hit a three to send it to overtime. And that's damn near what they did. They knew exactly what they were doing. Jaquez inbounds it. He inbounded it to the center, who passed it off to Tiger Campbell, who had a great look at it. Yes, it was about a 35-footer, but we've seen people make those before. Hell, Jalen Suggs made it against UCLA in 2021. And holy shit, it almost went in. And if if Gonzaga would have, if that would have went in and it goes to overtime and Gonzaga ended up losing, I would have said, you know what? It's your fault. That's a bad play. If the other team doesn't have a timeout left, you've got to miss that free throw. You can't take a chance of them taking the ball out of bounds, giving themselves an extra few seconds, walking to the ball, picking it up, and running a play that they've probably practiced and practiced before. They didn't need a timeout. They knew exactly what they were doing. They ran the play to perfection. They just missed the shot. But if Julian Strother misses that free throw, they have to chuck in a 75-footer. And if they beat you because they make a three-quarter court shot with one second left, then you just say, look, it was bad luck. What are the chances that that was going to happen? Way less than them inbounding the ball, getting it to their center, hits Tiger Campbell on the run, and him possibly making a three from 30 feet out, 35 feet out. They were lucky. They escaped, especially since the way they played down the stretch, blowing a 10-point lead with two and a half minutes left. But Gonzaga lives to fight another day. They win it 79-76. They will be taking on UConn in an epic epic game to go to the Elite Eight on Saturday night. Again, early lean on that game. Man, you know I have the Zags to win it all. You know that I have. My heart wants the Zags to win. I'm a WCC guy. I'm a West Coast guy. I just think UConn's on a mission right now. I'd love to see the Zags win, but if you're telling me you need to pick the game right now, I've got to go with UConn. They are blowing teams out. They have looked, they're the the only team that's looked more impressive than them since this tournament started is Alabama. And we'll see what happens with Alabama tomorrow. Maybe Alabama has a close, or today, maybe Alabama has a close game tonight. But nobody's looked better than UConn in the tournament. And they play much tighter defense, much tougher defense than anything Gonzaga has seen. Gonzaga really needs to tighten up their defensive end of the floor because they look terrible against UCLA in the first half. But... We shall see what happens in that. Um, but what a game. I cannot wait for UConn-Gonzaga Saturday night. Like I said, my heart's telling me Gonzaga, and I want them to win. But my head is telling me UConn. They're just they are on a fucking mission right now. They are destroying teams, and they are a team that... I, I, They've got two seven-footers that can easily match up with Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy's not getting 36 points. And look, everyone deals with injuries. We get it. But Adem Bona not playing for UCLA absolutely changed the course of that game. Because I'm telling you right now, Drew Timmy's not getting 36 points on UCLA if Adem Bona is playing in that game. Credit to Timmy. He was a man on a mission. He was playing like a guy that did not want to play his last college basketball game last night. But man, I just, I fucking love college basketball. It is the best. It is the best thing to watch. There's so many good stories involved. You know, FAU, you don't know anything about them. And then I guarantee you're going to be cheering for them, you know, come Saturday. Because like, how great would that be to see a nine seed get to the final four and a team that like you knew nothing about before the tournament started? I can't wait for it. I hope you can't wait for it. And 
it's going to be a doozy. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Let's get this podcast out to as many people as possible because I think it's filled with some great information. If you listen to it this week, you probably might have gone 3-1 and one or possibly even 4-0 oh, uh, with my analysis, my insight, the trends and notes and against the spread figures that I gave you. You could have possibly gone 4-0 last night. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. Take your-